So before we jump into today's episode, I'm so excited to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my six-month mentorship program, The Sustainable Visibility Incubator. This is for introverted entrepreneurs who want to feel safe to be seen on a consistent basis so they can grow their business in a way that feels completely aligned to the lifestyle that they want to create. This is only open once a year, so if you are interested in learning when the next cohort is enrolling, head on over to the show notes for the waitlist link so you can be notified when the application process is open. Alrighty, back to the show. Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I'm so excited for this conversation today because I'm with the amazing Emma Louise Parks, and she's going to be speaking with us about how we can adopt an introvert-friendly marketing approach. Now, for any extrovert, in the audience or any ambivert because I'm raising my hand I'm actually an ambivert I can switch into extroversion or into introversion I I can embody the two but if I had to choose my core is definitely more introverted for sure and that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation today because let's be honest the majority of marketing out there is often based on the extrovert approach and that's not to say it doesn't work because it does but What if we can find a way that works best for how we choose to show up, how we like to be? That is the conversation today. So Emma-Louise, welcome to the Quiet Rebels podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be a guest and have this conversation with you. Yes. Oh my goodness. And can you hear her accent? Like fellow Brit in the house, which is awesome because um, we had Nicola Moores on the podcast recently. She's also a fellow Brit. And I realized, I actually don't have many fellow Brits on the show. And yeah, that's just something that's probably not so prominent. But anyhow, <laughs> but anyway, so Emma-Louise, before we get into this much needed conversation, I'd love to know what actually brought it up for you. Like why introvert-friendly marketing? What led you to this point? So my story goes back about 14 years. I've been a certified life coach since then. And then I coached in corporate for 10 years. I was actually an air traffic controller and I trained trainee air traffic controllers. So I had been coaching in various capacities within my job and as a side hustle for years. And in early 2019, I decided that I wanted to bring my life coaching practice online. And this was a huge leap for me because I had had this nice little side business where it was, you know, cash in hand and people referring me and all very natural and and organic. It was more of a passion project than anything, but I decided this is where I wanted to take it. I wanted it to be a full time and, and replace my corporate job. So I came online and I had no social media at this point in my life. I I didn't have my own personal pages. It just wasn't something that I did. So to come online with a business and learn all of the marketing strategies and Mm. all about social media and the online space was huge and overwhelming and almost enough to send me running back the other way and not do it. But I am an ambitious introvert, so that didn't happen. So I spent the next 18 months really starting to understand marketing, to understand biopsychology, to understand ways that I could take the very proven 
principles, as you say, which do work, but that can be very, very exhausting or far too masculine or structured for a lot of introverts. And how to encapsulate that in a way that meant that I was showing up constantly in front of my ideal client, but with integrity and in a way that didn't absolutely exhaust me. Mm. Oh, so, so good. And I literally just had a shower thought from yesterday (laughs) where, you know how we're taught to always be consistent, right? And that can often be synonymized with being on constantly, as you just said, right? But what if we're consistently inconsistent because we want to show up with intentionality and integrity? Absolutely. And I was definitely in that camp early on of thinking to have a good social media presence, I've got to be on all the time. I'm going to be in front of my phone all of the time. I'm going to be showing up on video every day. And when I stepped back and really looked at it, I realized that that didn't have to be the case. I could write really high quality content. I could put a lot of time and effort into writing this content and then I could repurpose it and then I could share it in other ways. Of course, I show up on video. I It's a really great way, especially for my audience of introverts and sensitive entrepreneurs to get a feel for my energy and understand what I'm like as a person before they commit to working with me. But do I feel like recording a video every day? No. So I look at when I'm most energized and I batch them. And I'm really open about that with my audience. They don't expect me to be jumping on, you know, Instagram stories and putting like 20 dots at the top of their screen. Uh, When I show up, it's because I've got something to say. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get it said. I'm going to go away. And then I'm going to save it in a highlight so that they can look at it whenever they like. Oh, I love that. And it took me a moment to realize what you meant by the 20 dots. And I thought, like, oh, right. Yeah. When you have that many instant stories, they, they go from being dashes to dots. <laughs> because to me, that's overwhelming. And yeah. I know to, to a lot of my people, they, they say the same. It's almost that, it, that psychological barrier. If you know you've got to sit through all of that, it almost stops them wanting to do it. Mm. rather than thinking oh there's a lot to watch here it's like oh man there's a lot to watch here Mm. yes absolutely so I'm gonna be mindful of that dashes not dots not dots (laughs) I mean I mean you know if dots happen then they happen it's actually quite rare that they happen in my case personally but I love that you're mentioning this because um when you said repurposing I think that was kind of like a big like a big sigh of relief oh yeah repurposing we've heard of it before but I didn't think of it in that way. Like we've been taught, um, you know, to save time in that regard, but I didn't think of it from an energy standpoint that you can channel so much of your intentionality into making high quality piece of content and splitting it up. So that quality still is maintained consistently across your content. A hundred percent. And I know that if I write an article or a blog post, I can probably split that down into three, four, even five pieces of content that can stand alone. I know that there are going to be checkpoints or topics in there that I can pull out to be tips or journal prompts or pull out quotes of anything that I've said. I know that I can share it across various platforms. I can share it with my email list. It could even be a standalone email. And then I can make it into a podcast episode as well and take elements of that. And I know that I'm in integrity because what I'm talking about is of value to my audience. So I don't mind talking about that on five different platforms over Mm. and over again, because I know that people need to hear it. I think the mistake people sometimes make with repurposing is feeling like they have to keep reinventing the wheel and every single piece of content should be different. This doesn't actually help to set you out as an expert, or it doesn't help your audience to hear what they need to hear. It just means that you're expanding a lot of energy trying to write about a lot of different things. Mm. Yeah, you know, recently I've been speaking to an audience about the concept of not reinventing the wheel. I think if you feel pressured to reinvent the wheel and that's what's stopping you, then, you know, you then having that reminder that you don't need to do it is important. And then on the flip side, it's also just because you don't have to reinvent the wheel doesn't mean that you can't, because if you want to reinvent, if you want to invent a brand new wheel, <laughs> then that's amazing too. I think, um, yeah, I think a, a lot of us feel that pressure to do that, but maybe it's fine if they just, you know, chip off the wheel that that's already available to them. So it really maybe does just depend on that. polish that wheel up. Yeah, polish it just, up. Just poli- it polish fancy. it up a little bit. <laughs> because that's what I was definitely for me and I've seen in a lot of my clients was that 
I need to write a piece of content. I can't think of anything to write about. And that uh, would yeah. be the barrier to them actually mm. getting visible consistently. Whereas if they went, okay, one of the pillars that I write about regularly is mindset. So let's think, right, I'm going to write a post about mindset today and how it affects X, Y, or Z. Then that's much easier for them. And they're much more likely to pull out something and you know be able to be present in front of their audience. Absolutely. So when you started working with your clients and bought your business online, so what did it really take for you to find a more introspective way to show up, if that makes sense? Complete sense. What The main thing that it really took for me was to niche my audience down. So I had been through, I'd done two life coach certifications. And the thing is in life coach school, they quite rightly tell you, you can help anyone with anything because coaching is all about the person. It's future focused. You don't have to be an expert in what you're helping people with. It's all about the way you question and support them. So I had come from this background of helping people with a whole host of various achievements in life, you know, within their career, within their personal life, within their finances, within their health. And then I came online and realized that that doesn't work in the same way in a very noisy, crowded space. So the first thing I got, I had to do really, was decide to niche down, which felt very uncomfortable to me. And that I've learned Mm. is quite uncomfortable for a lot of introverts. Yeah. Because we feel like I can help these people, but I'm excluding them or Mm. I'm cutting them away. So that was definitely a mindset issue I had to work through and then really get clear on who I wanted to work with and looking at the clients I'd worked with that I guess that I aligned with the most that I'd enjoyed working with and that had got the best results from me. And they were all action takers. They were all, I'm going to say self-starters. They obviously needed some help because they sort out some coaching, but really they were action takers and they were able to act upon the support that I'd given them. And that's where ambitious came from Mm. in my description, because I thought, how can I describe all of these people? What is it? And they all had ambition. Mm. And then it came down to introverts because I'm highly introverted. I come out about 87% on the Myers-Briggs scale. And it's something that I feel like I understand so well in people. And it was one of the biggest barriers for me with my marketing and showing up online and my energy. And I realized that introvert doesn't mean shy or it doesn't mean underconfident or it doesn't mean unwilling to do that. All of these things that have been you know, mistaken about us. What it means is that you have to recharge your energy in a very different way and you will get overwhelmed by things that extroverts don't. And I realized if I could work solely with introverts and other sensitive entrepreneurs, I'm already halfway to knowing how they feel because I've been there myself. Mm -hmm. And it means that we can get a strategy that's completely aligned with them and not just a five-step formula that they've read from an extrovert coach. Mm. So you just mentioned the, you know, the five-step formula. So how do you best coach your clients when it comes to finding like a marketing strategy that's going to work for how they like to show up do you still have formulas or do you have a slightly different approach do you focus more on introspection what's what's your process (laughs) so I have a framework rather than a formula I have a framework that I run everything through with my clients and that is clarity strategy and belief so it doesn't matter what decision we're making maybe it's about their product suite maybe it's about their own personal development work maybe it's about their marketing but the first thing we do is get absolutely clear of how they feel about things and what they want to achieve and making sure that they stay in their own lane that they're not absorbing you know goals that they've seen online from other people so having the absolute clarity clarity about who their ideal client is because that will really affect their marketing strategy depending where those people are hanging out and then we move on to the strategy. So for some people, it makes sense to do video because they convert really well from video. So for the energy it might take them to record a 10-minute video, they could be quite tired out for the next day. But if that video, as we say, can get saved and repurposed and give value to people, that may actually be the best way for them to do it. For other clients that I've worked with, especially the more creative and design type, Pinterest is a really great way 
for them to mm. attract those clients because they're putting something aesthetic out there that's visual and they put their energy into that, into creating that pin, into making that you know, super magnetic to people and then making sure that their client journey on their website is such a way that those people then become part of their audience. So it is really bespoke, but it's looking at what you can do to conserve your energy, but that makes the most sense for what you're offering in your business. Mm, 100%. And there was a question I wanted to ask a little while back when you talked about um, repurposing because you mentioned five different platforms. And as soon as I heard five, I was like, oh my goodness. So do you have a team that helps you to feel that sense of um, omnipresence? Because um, I've I've seen like, you know, polarizing opinions about being omnipresent versus having very minimalist marketing where you pick one or two platforms even. So for us introverts, how do you go about being present without feeling so stretched thin? So for me, I what I did myself and what I really recommend to all clients is to start with two. I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in one basket because mm. obviously we don't own our audiences on the social platforms. So for me, I started with Instagram and Facebook and I built up there. I where are we now? So we're recording this in February. Last July, I started posting regularly on Instagram and that was four times per week. And that was the entirety of my marketing activity. And then once I'd gotten solid with that, once I'd really felt that I understood Instagram, I know what types of posts I was putting out, I'd started to engage with my audience. Then I upped it to five times a week. And then I added in some stories. And then I added in IG Lives. And all this time I was repurposing those posts into Facebook groups mm-hmm. and again, starting to build that. Once I felt really confident with that, I opened my own Facebook group. So I brought my audience in there too. And I can, I carried on like this for quite a while. Then I really started to build my email list. So again, I didn't feel like I was going to offer a tangent because I use a template for my newsletter and it actually directs people to the best free resources that I've put out in the week. So it was utilizing, you know, the IGTV that I put out and it was utilizing the posts that I put in the Facebook group that was that had been popular. And at this point I added in the podcast, which is by far my favorite way yes. of marketing um, <laughs> of all of them. And now I'm just moving into Pinterest. So it's really important for people to realize I didn't just turn up on day one and decide to try to be everywhere with everything. I took it step by step and really stacked it and really noticed what worked, what's good for my energy, what isn't good for my energy. And now, yeah, I do have a team. So I've got an OBM and a VA and they Mm. definitely take some of the pressure off with the consistent posting and cross-purposing of things. But whilst it was just me as a solopreneur, I really just stuck to the two and just got really, really comfortable with it. Mm. Yeah, I love that because um, like I said, as soon as I had five, I was like, (gasps) it's kind of like juggling. If you were juggling, you get comfortable throwing one, let's just call them balls. Yeah, like one ball, right? And then then okay you get used to you know juggling too but only when you're super confident with that can you add a third a fourth a fifth and so on but I'm glad that you mentioned that you had a team as well because for any solopreneurs who are listening right now probably thinking oh my god like to be successful do I need to be on five platforms but I really like that you were transparent with like how you started when you're on your own and how you managed to expand because your team expanded to help take off some of that initial work um, from you so that you're able to repurpose, be present online, but also be present with yourself because you're not stretching yourself. 100%. And the great thing with this, like stacking, as I called it, or adding a ball into the juggle, as you (laughs) called it, is that you have so much content there already to cross-reference. So as I say, I've just started with Pinterest. So that takes some time each month to create new pins and put to tailwind. But I already have 25 podcast episodes on my blog that they can pin back to. I already have, I don't know how many posts on my Instagram grid full of value that they can pin back to. I've got articles that I've had published that they can pin back to. So it's not really creating that new content now. It's how can I take this content that's already there, it's already successful, and how can I show it to a different audience? Mm. Yeah, and that's that was my next question for you as well. How do you know what to repurpose and how do you honor the platform as well? Uh, for example, 
uh, Facebook doesn't really use hashtags, but Instagram does. And I have no idea about Pinterest really, so I can't really make a reference here. But how do you take like a singular piece of content and split it in such a way so that it works just as well on one platform to another? So the thing for me is always writing more. So I will always write it more like a blog post or an article. And it tends to be a little bit of a brain dump. I won't lie. And then as I extract pieces from it, that's when I tidy it up. So if it's going to be a blog post or an article, it would be like, okay, that's as it is. Then I look at Facebook next because that's the longer posts you know it's the longer pieces of content so sometimes it can actually be an entire blog post could be a facebook post but generally that i find that more conversational then i look at instagram i'm like what's popular on facebook what has got good engagement in that what could i move over to instagram that i may need to condense so knowing that you know two i think it's a 2000 character limit on instagram knowing that i'm going to be really shortening it or how can I take the top pieces from that that will go really well into say a carousel post or creating a graphic that would be really useful for people so for example I wrote quite a long article the other week all about niching down and about the you know the three ways to look at niche and three questions to ask yourself before you decide what niche you'd like to work in and it was quite a long post but for Instagram that can be shortened down to you know three questions to ask yourself to define your niche and the three questions. So it's it's just adapting it really to how does it work? Instagram's a much more visual platform. So by making a nice graphic with that and just having the tips, very different post to the Facebook one, which was much more of a blog. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Like knowing the the kind of like the characteristics that make a well-performing post on each platform sounds to be very key here. Yeah. And Honestly, I don't do a lot of reinventing the wheel myself. (laughs) So I am probably talking about the same things over and over again. Like they say, you should be talking about, you should be bored of your own marketing because you're talking about the same things over and over again. So it makes it really easy for me to know, especially as my audience has grown, as I've worked with more and more clients, what are people struggling with? What do they need to hear and which posts perform really well? And that makes it really easy for me to know which ones are the ones to keep using. Mm. Absolutely. And this is such a random thought that popped into my head just now. But you know how we refer to the they? Who is the they? Because <laughs> because it seems like this like ethereal presence that seems to be around us when we are creating. So when you say they, when they say, who, who are you actually referring to? I'm, I'm as just in, curious. <laughs> as in my audience when I say they? Um, no, when you say, oh, you know what they say? when we should be doing X, Y, Z, right? Who's the day for you? The they, the they for me, in inverted <laughs> commas, um, the, the they are definitely the more bro markety type people that are, and, and I get it, I know where it comes from. I've done a lot of research into this. I understand about marketing, you know, going back to direct mailings of the 50s, that things are worded in a certain way, that there's biopsychology behind it. And I know that, Many people had a lot of success online maybe five or six years ago by marketing in certain ways and building huge email lists. I don't think that necessarily works now. And I don't think it's a, I'm going to say tactic because it is a tactic that most people in my audience would want to employ. I think it's very easy for them to look at larger coaches or marketers that have been around a long time and think, oh, well, they are telling me to do this <laughs> or yeah, they are telling me to do a webinar and I'll convert 3% of my list. That's great. But if your list is 50 people, is it worth the effort of mm. you know, putting out a webinar and going through the whole nurture sequence and the email? It's really making sure that it works for you. Yes, precisely. And yeah, I just I just get so curious about these things. <laughs> like, who who is this they? Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> they are the people on five platforms. <laughs> yeah, straight from the get-go. <laughs> um oh there's I had a total brain fart because I had a really good question for you, but now it's just kind of gone out of my head. But oh, I know. So this these they people, right? <laughs> they clearly still have a lasting impression on how we feel we quote unquote should 
be doing marketing. And I'm curious, when you've helped your clients to employ introvert-friendly marketing strategies because they are more introverted, was there at any point where there was kind of like those growing pains, like to unlearn the bro marketing ways in order to learn ways that actually felt right to them? Like how was that transition for your clients? Definitely. I've had with some of them where they had taken courses from Mm. larger coaches and, and learned a way to do things where one of the things that comes up again and again is trying to trick the algorithm. So for instance, with Facebook posts, a lot of people want to say, drop an emoji here because the more comments they get on a post, the more people it's going to get shown to. So they'll go into a Facebook group with quite a large audience and say, hey, I've got this freebie. Who wants it? Drop an emoji. And it's Mm. called a ladder post. And that works by the algorithm then going, oh, 40 people have commented on this post, even though the comments are all emojis. This must be really good stuff. We're going to show it to as many people as possible. So something that came out of that is working with a lot of my clients who um, may be relationship coaches or they work with people on more sensitive issues that they had been taught to go and say, you know, I can help you in your relationship or I can help you with you know, anxiety or whatever these things are. Would you like a free caller or would you like to you know, download my free guide? Drop an emoji here. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not sure those people want to maybe publicly announce Mm. that they need help with whatever it is you're offering them. But I think that's where the difficulty is because they have been taught ways of doing things without really understanding why. So the Mm. why is that it's tricking the algorithm. Then without really thinking, does this make sense to my people? Do my people want to go, yes, I need help with this. Let me tell 15,000 people in this Facebook group. Mm. So I think think it's knowledge is power, really. Once they understand why this was taught and, and why it works, they then start to realize why it doesn't work for them necessarily. Mm. And I just want to touch on a point that that you you brought up without saying this particular phrase, but this is exactly what you're referring to. It's social currency, right? Like being aware of how whenever we comment or react to something on social, how it's actually a reflection of what we value. And um, there are going to be some posts that are going to really resonate with people, but they won't show it because it's vulnerable for them. Yeah, exactly that. And I, I tell people all the time, and this is the truth, the majority of my clients that work with me one-on-one have never liked or commented mm. on any of my posts. And one day I will get an email or a DM and they'll be like, you know, I love what you do. I'd love to know about working with you. I've been watching, you know, I've been following yeah. you for months or I've read everything that, you, that you've put because they're, they're lurkers. I'm a lurker. Mm. I'm like, uh, yeah, 100%. I am a lurker. And then on the flip side of that, a lot of my clients get despondent when they put what they feel is a really good piece of content out and they go, well, no, not many people have liked it or no one's really engaged mm. on it. It's like, but that doesn't mean that they're not reading it and taking it yes. in or or they haven't saved it you like you don't know any of these metrics the important thing isn't the number of people it's the impact that it's had on the right people yes exactly this is um i call this the impact iceberg because you know how the iceberg theory where 20 percent you see 80 percent you don't it's the same with impact that there'll be like 20 percent of your audience that will put those emojis who will you know react to your Facebook post and will comment but 80% they will not show you at least not straight away or maybe even ever but it doesn't mean that the impact you made on them didn't exist because you can't that is not validated for you through vanity metrics so I always think of the impact iceberg and I think that's even more apparent for introverted entrepreneurs especially when we take into account things like social currency that the impact is made from what we do and that will translate sometime down the line and we just won't see it coming. <laughs> I love that analogy of the iceberg and and it's so true. And I really see it now that I've been consistently putting content out for, for almost nine months that if I do posts more about self-care, I get a lot of engagement. But those aren't the posts that make people hit the button to buy my mm-hmm. services but they're the posts that you know my audience like and it gets us in a conversation and and it gets us to know each other but there are other posts where 
maybe a bit closer to the line where I go, look, you, you keep doing this, but you're not getting anywhere. No one comments on those, but they're the types of posts that make people go, I just read that and it was like, you're inside my head and I need mm. some help. Yeah, absolutely. So in your, you know, from your experience, whether it's directly working with clients or people who are thinking about becoming a client of yours, do you, like what common mistakes do you see introverts making when they are trying to market themselves? I think one of the biggest ones that goes back to five platforms is trying to do everything at once, trying to do what they see everyone else doing without maybe understanding how everyone else does it. So thinking, okay, I need to post on Instagram three times a day because that's what this course recommends. Or, you know, I need to be on stories every day and I need something on Facebook and I need something here and really burning themselves out. And I did this, I was completely guilty of this in my earlier days, starting out with a marketing strategy that was just not sustainable in the slightest, keeping it up for about a week and a half and then disappearing for two weeks. Yes, I like, I'm totally raising my hand here. <laughs> I have two platforms I'm on. Like this is actually the precise, re- I've actually not, haven't said this publicly yet, but this is the precise reason why I am lurking, purely lurking on Clubhouse. (laughs) Because on one hand, it ticks all the boxes. It's an audio platform. Um, I have an Apple device and and everything and, like, you know, great conversations. But I, ever since I was a kid, whenever I saw everybody following the trend, I would never jump in, ever. I would always be sitting on the sidelines observing to see how long this trend lasts is this trend turning into something substantial or is it fleeting i would always like oh when i think about it my younger self had had some wisdom to her but (laughs) but i've taken that on board with everything that i see in the online marketing space because clubhouse like i don't i honestly don't know the impact of of it you know um i've had people already doing like masterclasses and things about how you can sign clients from Clubhouse. And I'm not invalidating that at all. But for me, it felt like something felt off because one on one hand, like just from a uh, inclusivity standpoint, it's an exclusive platform. It doesn't, um, at least not right now, doesn't um, take into account Android users. It's only exclusive to Apple. It's like, oh, it's only the Apple Club <laughs> you can join. And that didn't feel right to me, especially when we, like, since the world has been on fire, it's always been on fire, but especially so in 2020 with, you know, the quite the confrontation um, during the Black Lives Matter movement and doing a lot of unpacking, unlearning, you know, about, you know, how to be anti-racist. We're talking about how to be inclusive but then it's kind of like as soon as Clubhouse came out, it almost felt like, okay, we're back to exclusivity, exclusivity again. It just felt off. So, yeah, that's why, like, I have friends like, are you on Clubhouse yet? I got an invite. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm already on there. I'm totally lurking because I just want to see, like, is this a platform that I want to invest my time and energy into? Does it reflect how I want to be showing up for my audience, especially if inclusivity has become quite a um, front-focused sort of value that I want to uphold in my business. I completely agree. And I felt the same with Clubhouse when it started. I thought, why is it Apple only? Mm. And what I had noticed is, I mean, firstly, big introvert thing to do. I'm just going to stand on the sidelines and observe like, whether it's a meeting or a party or, you know, social media or anything. It's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to suss this out before I, you know, really put too much effort mm. into this. Um, and I have dipped my toe into Clubhouse. I've hosted rooms with a few people, various different topics. And to me, it feels like it's somewhere that the cool kids are hanging out mm. and the rush to get there. And I've seen a lot of people, like you say, pivot their marketing to be like, oh, I'm a Clubhouse expert and I'm going to teach you how to get clients on Clubhouse. And I'm sure Clubhouse does have its advantages, but despite the fact of it being like an introvert friendly space because it's audio only and all of this, I think it's actually more suited to extroverts from the time that I've spent on there because Mm. it gets a little bit like who can shout the loudest and I've got the microphone. I don't really want to want to give it up. 
in terms of what you're saying about, do I want to invest my time in this? Something I've said to my clients is like, have a look at it. But if you don't have a solid bank of content that you're already repurposing, then you shouldn't be spending half an hour a day on there, a place where it's lost. You've had that conversation. You've shared that wisdom. Maybe you've got some followers from it, but that's gone. That's gone forever. So if you're still building up your business, if you're still in that stage of creating, it's probably not the best place to put your limited energy as an introvert. Mm. Oh, I actually never thought about that. Yeah, you're you're right. From the sounds of it, not from lived experience, but from the sounds of it, um, who can shout the loudest? Yeah, I, I've heard some pretty bad horror stories, actually, from Clubhouse uh, when I, I don't know what the function is called. But when you invite people, when people are in the room and you can invite some people to speak, um, that I've heard a horror story where someone was invited to speak from the audience and they completely tore down everything that the host was talking about and it's like and you can't see these people there is a safety in the semi-anonymity because you can't see their face you can hear their voice but not their not see their face and I think that can be quite dangerous actually I would agree. I hosted a room with my, the first room I hosted was with a friend of mine. She's got a lot of followers on there. She's a speaker. So obviously it's a great platform for her. And she walked me through what we'll do. She's like, you'll be a moderator. You know, someone will raise their hand if they want to speak. And then she's like, oh, if someone's talking rubbish, you can just, you can remove them. And I was like, well, why would they be talking rubbish? And she said that they'd actually had, she'd done a room with another business coach and someone came up and they started giving business advice to people that was just shady and they were like we we need to move this person because what they're saying isn't valuable and it could cause damage to someone Um, Mm. and I've heard of that happening a few times because you don't know if that person's an expert all you've got to judge on is what they've put in their bio and what they start talking about when they get on stage Mm. oh okay I'm kind of glad I did (laughs) again (laughs) we we are not invalidating clubhouse there are all there are benefits and uh, what was the opposite benefits disadvantages? <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own, I think. Yes, I think yes. it can work really, really well for some people. For me, I don't mind hosting a room, but it's not somewhere that I would consume because I actually get quite overwhelmed listening to a lot of different people speak. And yeah, I do I find the too. rooms go off topic quite a lot. Mm. I'm much more structured. I'm like, I'm going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> like while I'm on my walk or while I'm cooking dinner, I'm going to listen to this podcast Like and read the show notes and like, oh, it's about this. I, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. I mean, like hopefully all of you who are listening right now, you know that, you know, based on the episode title, it's about introvert-friendly marketing. And um, yeah, just really picking the platforms that you actually love being on is where your client, your ideal clients are hanging out. Of course, there needs to be a match between the two, but it's only going to ever be sustainable for you if it's one that you actually like showing up on. Yeah. Okay, so as we start to wrap up this conversation, Emma-Louise, there is one question that I I just want to like hear from you and super simple which is how would you even go about getting started if for anybody in the room like who's listening to this episode right now if they've only gone by the they the the bro marketers these these ethereal they (laughs) um you know and they haven't actually even started to think about what it means to do an introvert friendly marketing approach where do you recommend they start i would get them to ask themselves three questions sit down and be super honest the first and foremost is going to be where are your audience and this could vary wildly you maybe they're on linkedin if you work with people in corporate if you work with entrepreneurs they might be more likely to be in facebook groups so really get really clear on the people that you want to get in front of the people that you want to become your clients so you can serve where are they? Where does it make most sense for you to invest your energy? The second thing I would say is, what do you like to create? Because what you like to create is going to come much more easily and you're going to be able to allow all of your wisdom to flow in that way much easier than trying to go against the grain and do something that doesn't feel good. So do you like to write? Do you like to record podcasts? Do you like to make video? Think about the thing that comes most easily to you that you can contact these people through, which medium. 
And then the last thing I'd say is, what's the minimum that you can commit to and commit to that? So can you post twice a week? If you can post twice a week, commit to that. Don't try and make it three and force more than you can, because that's so good for your consistency and your confidence to know that you have a plan in place. And then of course, yeah, we add a ball when we're juggling, we we build on that, we up it once we're consistent. But start small by doing the thing you know you can do in the place that you know your ideal clients are. Hmm. Such simple, but very, very important questions. And I think it would be fun if uh, we did a quick run through of those questions on each other. So answer those three questions for yourself. And because uh, when you're talking, I was like, oh, that's why I've been able to show up and all that stuff. So I'll share a quick my, my quick run through, but you first. <laughs> okay. So for me, my people are ambitious introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs. And they're either looking to start or grow an existing online business. So the first thing that came to mind for me is introverts love podcasts. I'm an introvert and I love to learn from a podcast. Therefore, that was always on my list and was one of the first things that I added into my marketing. The other one was Instagram because I'm quite a visual person. So I found it easier to start with that. Facebook was a little bit overwhelming for me. I'm good with it now, but I knew that I would show up consistently on Instagram. I liked being able to create graphics. I just enjoyed being able to create in that way. So that was where I first started. I knew that my people we're in both of those places. There's a big entrepreneur community on Instagram, um, especially around coaching and creatives. So that was perfect for me as well. And the minimum that I decided to start with was four times a week on Instagram for grid posts and buying a microphone. Those were my first steps to Instagram and the podcast. How about you? Oh, there's, there's a lot of resonance here. So, um, that's why we know that our audiences are definitely aligned here. So my audience, where are they hanging out? So podcast, yes. <laughs> because um, before I actually started the Quiet Rebels podcast, I actually have a YouTube channel. It's actually still, uh, it's still, it's not active. <laughs> it's still on YouTube. I do not post anymore. I do not, the, I get the occasional subscriber and they're like, why don't you do videos anymore? Like, oh my God, you deserve more subscribers. And I'm like, I'm not there. I haven't been there for like two and a half years, but thank you anyway. <laughs> but it's because I had a lot of head trash in, in my head. It was a lot of like, is my makeup okay today? Is my, how about, how about my hair? Did I change my outfit compared to the last video? Has it been long enough ago that I can actually wear this outfit again? Like all of that was clogging up my head and it was really impacting the kind of quality of content that I could deliver because I used to script out all of my videos, all the bullet points, examples and stories and everything. But yeah, that took so much. And I actually preferred doing live streams, but then my live streams actually wound up being pretty long themselves. And I thought, wait, my audience, they don't have time to watch a replay of a, of a 30 minute live stream every single week when I'm doing it. But maybe they'd listen to a podcast because they don't have to watch it. They just listen. They could play it out loud because I, that's what I do. I play it out loud when I'm cooking, when I'm washing the dishes or taking a walk. It fits into different pockets of their day without them having to stop and consume. They can consume as they go. So um, that's what I thought when it came to thinking about my audience. I had to create something that they wanted to consume. So that's why I started my podcast. And uh, what's your second question? Um, the what yes. do you like to create? So yes, so kind of blend in. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love creating podcasts because I don't have to worry so much about my appearance, and not to say that it's something that I hide behind or anything. But I feel a lot more comfortable with myself, and it was through this process where I actually learned to appreciate my voice because I didn't used to. Um, so yeah, I actually really like creating podcasts and. Instagram is definitely by far my favorite platform to be on because like yourself, I'm a visual person. I love the visual standpoint and um, I love the DMs. I have so many DM conversations. It's amazing. <laughs> and I think that's great for introvert. I know you said you're more ambivert, but for introverts as well, because it does feel like you're having a personal connection. It's not just shouting everything out in private. I think the podcast feels very personal. And yes. then yeah, if you can have a conversation in the DMs, that feels great to us. And actually on that note, 
I feel that the reason why I'm able to tap into that extrovert is because I take care of my in, my inner introvert so well, because my home life and my work life, they're orchestrated around each other. There is a very unique blend. So because it's very important for me that I don't use up all my energy at work and then I've got leftover energy just for my loved ones because I think it should be the not not should be the other way around but there's definitely a balance between them as much as you can and yeah I think that's why I'm able to tap into a slightly more extroverted side sometimes when I'm doing workshops or webinars but literally after those those finish I love doing them but I feel so wiped (laughs) after that which is why I know that I'm definitely I have an introverted core and that's why I'm able to create more consistently because I honor that like you I know what wipes me out I know my capacity in different aspects of my life and that's what allows me to show up on a weekly basis for my podcast and um, I gave myself a goal of doing like two posts a week on Instagram so it'd be promoting the podcast and one thought and then that's actually started to grow a little bit more I don't put any pressure on myself but so long as I have at least two I'm good. (laughs) And stories, so long as my cat is nearby, (laughs) I'm good (laughs) when it comes to stories. Everybody loves my cats, which is is cute. Um, Yeah, so there's that. And the final question was, what can you commit to? What's the minimum? Oh, yeah. What you just said. Is yeah, the, yeah. I just, bl- I just blended the questions. <laughs> and then what? I think they do kind of blend into what yeah. they blend into a concept. Yeah, I'm going to say when, when you start to think about it. But um, although you'd never asked yourself those questions, do you see how naturally they fit together for you yes. to build your marketing strategy? Yes. And I didn't. Yeah, I guess I never thought about the questions that it took for it to come out, but it was a long and hard journey to figure that stuff out. But Thanks to you, we know now those three questions that we can ask ourselves to see what really fits for us. And it can be trial and error. That's the other thing. Like, don't beat yourself up if you try doing something. Maybe you go, oh, I can do three posts now. I'm feeling good. And then that doesn't feel, that starts to feel you know, anxiety around that or like there's too much pressure. It's like, just, just do what you can do and show up and do that really, really well and be happy with that. And then go and save your energy for your loved ones, like you say. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love this conversation so much. So Emma Louise, for those of the, those of us, yeah, those of us <laughs> who would love to stay connected with you, because obviously I am <laughs> going to be staying connected with you. Where can we find you? Because now you have like five platforms. So which platforms can we best find you? <laughs> well, the best places to find me are definitely going to be Instagram where I'm at Emily Parks and my podcast, the ambitious introvert podcast. If you are a Facebook person, I am in there daily too. And I have a group called the ambitious introvert network, which is a lovely safe space for introvert entrepreneurs to get to know each other and connect and share their content and share their offers and just generally support each other. So it's a really lovely space. Love that. So I'll pop all of those links into the show notes. So, um, so my lovelies, you, you know, you know the drill by now, (laughs) um, head on to the link in the show notes where you'll have access to all of these places where you can find Emma Louise. So I have two final questions for you before we round up. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So number one is what makes you a quiet rebel? What makes me a quiet rebel is that I really love this juxtaposition between introvert and entrepreneur where everyone thinks it's about shouting the loudest or being in front of everyone or, you know, shouting everyone down and saying that your way is the best. I think what's really, really underrated is our energy. So Mm. what makes me a quiet rebel is that I love being quiet. I don't try to change that. I embrace my quietness and my sensitivity, but also trust that that in itself is powerful and that that is powerful enough for me to be able to grow a successful business, which it is. Wonderful. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, Literally, as you're speaking, have you seen the live action um, version of Aladdin by any chance? No. (gasps) Oh my goodness. Okay. So... I won't tell you too much, but there is a new song in there and it's called Speechless. And it's, it's oh my God, like it's, it's like an anthem. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Introverts anthem. <laughs> Literally, it feels like it because, you know, from that perspective, it's um, 
how Jasmine basically she wasn't seen as a leader simply because she's a woman, right? But that was the time when she proved herself. I'll I'll, I'll leave I'll leave it to you, you know, to watch it if you choose to. But there is this one line in that song where she says, "I won't be silenced." And another one that always gets me when you see her sing it, when she says, "Don't you underestimate me." Oh, powerful. Yes. Like, yes. Uh, okay, after this episode, I'm going to send you a message on Instagram where you can see that clip because that alone makes the whole film, <laughs> in my it. opinion. I love it. It sounds like you need Jasmine as a guest. Yes. Yes, I know. Yeah. Naomi Scott, if you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wonderful. And so we have the final question. And my lovelies, if you're new to the show, then you probably don't know what's about to happen. But if you are a frequent listener, you'll know that when you hear this sound, it means it's time for a fact of the day about our wonderful guest. So Emma Louise, I, I gave you a heads up so that you had time to like have this noodle on your brain. Um, so what is one weird fact or a fun story that no one else knows about you on the internet? So weird fact is I am hugely allergic to penicillin which means I'm also hugely allergic to blue cheese (laughs) and that if I eat blue cheese I will probably be blue lighted to hospital with anaphylactic shock so never in my life have I been able to eat blue cheese my penicillin allergy was diagnosed when I was about three they gave me some antibiotics it did not go well as you can imagine and so never been prescribed them again so I smell blue cheese I know it's a real kind of love or hate thing for people. I've never been able to try it. Blue cheese would kill me. Oh, okay. Well, clearly when we meet up in real life, we're not going to have a cheese board. And no, not even unless they don't serve the blue cheese. Just, just I don't, I, I will minimize all risks. We're not having a cheese board, even though I love cheese boards. But yeah, we'll have a different meal. <laughs> but, but thank you. And for anybody who has the pleasure of meeting Emma Louise in real life, don't invite her for a cheese board, but for anything else that doesn't have penicillin. Okay. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Emma Louise, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. I love this conversation and hail to all introverts who are listening to this. And for any extroverts in the room, maybe there is a page that you can take out of Emma Louise's book when it comes to how you can diversify how you market yourself because who knows maybe have a little bit of a introvert in you too i love yeah. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so so much and again for anyone who wants to con- connect with you i'll pop all of the links in the show notes so they can find your facebook group listen to your podcast and dm you on instagram perfect thank you so so much i've loved chatting to you today And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.